This is episode 68 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are How to Organize Survival Food and the 7 Principles of Safe Camping When Bugging Out. And because it's Wednesday, we do have an interview today with John Rourke of 1776PatriotUSA.com. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been recently posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, uh, yesterday I talked a little bit about the bomb that went off uh, in Manchester at the Ariana Grande, and I said we probably, you know, probably was going to affect teenagers up to, you know, maybe people in their young 30s or whatever. But uh, it came out today that it was an eight-year-old, a little eight-year-old girl that died. You know, I mean, come on. And so uh, I know that they're going to continue to release people who who died and and names and all those kinds of things. Uh, they're going to be doing that. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's that. You know, you expect it already with your heart to break for teenagers. But then you know, an eight, a little eight-year-old. Um, I mean, come on, that just takes it down to another notch. And, and and the whole thing is, when I'm looking on Twitter and I'm looking at people, you know, you got, uh, I, they're just idiots uh, who, you know, in entertainment, people like Katy Perry, who are saying, you know, we just need to have no borders, we need to get along. Man, that is just so far from the truth. The thing is, is that, you know, these guys who want to harm and hurt and they want to do that kind of stuff, the only thing that uh, militant Islam understands is power and force. That's the only thing they, and that's really, that's the thing that they respect. And so in order for them to settle back down, they're going to have to feel that. And the problem is, is that there's nobody, everybody wants to love them to death, right? It's just like, hey, let's just love them. They need some love. They didn't get their Stretch Armstrong when they were a kid. You know, they didn't get their, you know, what Christmas present, whatever. Their dad didn't love them. And so, you know, this is why they're doing it. You know, the, America's a great Satan. We went over there and messed with them. And so this stirred them all up and we just need to love them. And that's just, it's just a bunch of crap. So, um, you know, we uh, that's just that that's just where we're going, and I, I mean, I know I can just go off on a whole tangent on that, but uh, again, I think um, you know one of the things I saw on on Twitter on one of my feeds as it was going was you know w- you know at, at some point this is going to happen here in America, you know, are are we going to be prepared for it, and then what's going to be the outcome from that, you know. Uh, something, something on this scale. I mean, definitely, we've already had 9/11, and and we've had other t- definitely terrorist attacks, but something, something big like this that really grabs people's attention, and then hitting younger people. I mean, that's gonna, uh, yeah, that's gonna send, uh, that's gonna send the heartland reeling, you know. Uh, and there, I think there's a great divide uh, between. The people that are, you know, maybe on, maybe on the coast or, or maybe in the big cities, uh, and that, that's what I wanted to say. People that were in the big cities compared to the heartland, and and I've heard John Haller talk a little bit about that on his prophecy updates. Um, that I used to I used to often post those on on PrepperChurch.com. I just kind of haven't just been so busy lately, but um, 
He's talked about that where he has uh, traveled because he has to travel a lot, and uh, where he's where, where what he hears in Middle America in the heartland is completely different. There's a completely different view and feel uh, where from from people in the big cities, uh, and uh, so there you go. Uh, let me let me stop talking there because I can like I said I can go on. Let's go ahead and move on with, uh, with our articles. The first one is coming to us from smartpreppergear.com. And this is about how to organize survival food. So there's some, some ideas that are going to be thrown out. And I want to I come back at the end and talk about some of the ideas that I have. And, and this, is, this is always going to be an issue for those of us who prepare. Unless you have a humongous house with a lot of room uh, and you're able just to put things away and you know and you have a whole room maybe dedicated to preparedness or or food storage or whatever this is always going to be a problem and uh, so let's, let's get into this and talk about it maybe we can um, maybe I can give you some ideas just a couple of ideas out there and if you get have some ideas maybe something that you haven't read about before in the past uh, man, I encourage you to come to the website and drop those in the comment section because I'll, I'll, if you do that, uh, I will read them or refer back to them later on this week. All right. So, smart prepper gear: how to organize survival food. Let's start reading. It can be quite easy to forget that we are actually living in quite a fragile way of life. Most people have power and electricity that feed directly into their homes, free-flowing water at their fingertips. There are grocery stores at almost every corner with everything they need in order to survive. However, with political unrest constantly raging in many countries across the globe, natural disasters occurring with increasing severity and frequency, and the failing economy today, it is very evident that the system nowadays isn't infallible. It is no surprise that many people are now getting educated on how to organize survival food supply. Being prepared for emergencies is much more important these days than ever before. You need to be prepared on your own to be sure that you and your loved ones are safe and will be taken care of in times of crisis. Thus, if you want to be able to meet you and your family's needs, having sufficient emergency food by knowing how to organize survival food is the first essential step. So why do you need to organize survival food when there are lots of grocery stores where you can buy all you need to eat in order to survive? There are a lot of people who already know how to organize survival food for disasters, but there are still many others who are, think that their next meal could easily be bought in the market once a huge disaster occurs. In the U.S., when trucking is halted or delayed, goods and merchandise are delayed and a lot of establishments may close down. Many supplies would not also make it to the retailers and manufacturers. This will then result in consumers not being able to obtain the goods they need. If you want to have peace of mind knowing that whatever happens, you and your loved ones have food to survive, organizing survival food is of great importance. You will also have a sense of security knowing that you would not be caught without food and unprepared when emergencies or disasters occur. Therefore, it is an absolute must to understand how to organize survival food. Having survival food on hand enables you to sustain yourself and your loved ones in times of major crisis. Your guide on how to organize survival food supply. The types of survival food. There are different types of survival food and those that suit you and your family often depends on some important factors such as your preference, storage space, budget, and the types of food available in your area. The type of food you can include in your survival kit is usually dependent on what you normally eat. 
When it comes to storing survival food, it's not really advisable to store grains. It is also important to consider the special cases in your home when planning on the food to store, including the presence of infants or elderly who might need particular types of food and allergies to some types of foods or ingredients. So uh, I think maybe when he was talking about grains here, he was talking about a specific like Bob or survival kit. Uh, definitely, I believe that, that uh, storing grains, if you want to do that, I mean, that's that's easy to do. And you can have a, a hand grinder and you can go ahead and go to town and, and uh, go that way. I mean, wheat berries, I mean, how many articles have you heard or people talk about wheat berries? And if you've read any, you know, Wesley Rawls, James Wesley Rawls, uh, books, you know, wheat berries was <laughs> was one of the big staples, right? All right, label everything. It can be easy to put a container in the freezer thinking that you will be able to identify it later, but when the time comes, you can't even remember what the mystery package is and when you place it in there. Even if it seems that they are easy to identify, label it anyway. Label bags, buckets, and any unidentifiable containers, not only with expiration dates, but also with cooking instructions. You can just write the instructions on a piece of paper or print them out and tuck them into the package or tape to the outside of the container. It is very handy to have them in your food storage package. Store the items in the right spot. Although you don't really want your survival food to be used, you want to ensure that the food is at its optimum quality. One way to do this is to ensure that the place where the food is stored has a minimum exposure to air, moisture, heat, and sunlight. Goods that are stored in a dark area or room will last longer than those in the garage or pantry, twice as long as they restore twice as long as if they're stored at 70 degrees compared to those stores at 90 degrees. Keep in mind that temperature has the biggest effect on food. Temperature can affect the taste, texture, and nutrition of the food. Moisture is also another consideration when storing food. Look for a dry spot to keep food items. Also avoid storing them next to particular products like fuels or soaps. This is vital to prevent the spread of odor and some other potential contaminants. Rotate and resupply. All items purchased for a long-term storage closet must be used, rotated, and resupplied. This is a very important way to ensure that you have the freshest foods. When you organize food reserves, put the, put the items with the earliest expiration date in front of the shelf so that it, it is used first. You can also utilize a can rotation system to assist you in an FIFO or first in first out inventory method. It may be a good idea to conduct an inventory check every six months. This will ensure that preserves, canned goods, and other food storage items are within the expiration dates. Now, we've also, there's been a lot of talk about expiration dates. Just because uh, something expires doesn't mean that it goes bad. So something that expires, you know, uh, May 31st, 2017 doesn't automatically go bad on June 1st, 2017. Um, you know, so expiration dates, a lot of the times are just there because they have to be there. And they're like a fresh date sell by type thing but if you have good can good cans in your pantry and they are in good shape and nothing nothing looks like it's bulging rust any linking any kind of that thing going on then you should be good i mean for the most part uh tests have been done uh, i think a lot of us have heard you know those that that test that was done on canned goods that was found you know 50 years uh 50 year old can and it was still 
uh, still edible. Now, the, the, the texture might have been a little changed and the, the nutritional content wasn't as high as it you know, was when it was first canned, but it was still edible. So, you know, just you got to use your head there. You got to use uh, wisdom. All right, so um, store snacks with high energy ingredients to enhance energy levels. When it comes to organizing food survival, you should not just include everything you want to eat. You must also pay great attention to the essence of every food item. Eating high energy snacks and those that are high in protein will provide a guaranteed boost in energy. Include snacks that are high in protein and complex carbohydrates, such as granola bars, trail mix, and crackers. They can be stored up for up to one year. They will keep your spirits and energy levels high in an emergency situation. Do not forget a good supply of water. Having enough supply of water in the home is actually more important than food. Everyone can go without food, but with water you can only survive for three days. Perhaps you won't die, but an individual who goes more than one day without water will surely be in an extremely bad shape. A lot of disaster organizations recommend having a two-week supply of water to be stored up. This is equal to 14 gallons of water for drinking only. Used bottles of soda or juice can be utilized to store extra water to use in case of disasters. These can be frozen to be used at later times. One great option that I personally recommend is purchasing the Aquatainer 7-gallon rigid water container. It might also be a good idea to have a, an additional water filtration system or pump. I, I, my recommendation is it's not just a good idea, it's a must. Having multiple ways to filter and purify water, that's just, that's just a must. Um, and, and I know that we talked about redundancy here uh, you know, just recently, but that is definitely something that I want to be redundant on. I uh, have multiple ways to uh, purify and filter water. Never forget the basics. There are some essential staples that must be considered when organizing survival food. This includes baking soda, spices, sugar, salt, cooking oil, vinegar, cornmeal, and flour. These valuable items should not be overlooked, but include in, included in your survival food package. If these items can be found in your kitchen, they must also be present in your emergency food. Organize based on your preference. Of course, every individual has his or her own way of organizing. You can group the items together like baking needs, snacks, breakfast, meats, vegetables, fruits, soups, etc. It doesn't really matter as long as it's organized to your taste and accessing them is easier for you. I think that's the key is knowing where your stuff is. You don't want to just start throwing things uh, you know, all over your house or, or whatever, wherever you're storing them and then forget what you have and then try to... Um, you know, either find those things when when you uh, when you want them, or you know you you know you have them, but it's too much trouble to go look for them, so you go buy more. So, uh, and that's with all your preparedness stuff. Um, be ready for the possibility of electricity loss. So, some disasters and emergencies may lead to the loss of electricity. When this happens, you would not be able to see cans and other items clearly. To make sure that you can access your goods and food items at all times, you can include a number of flashlights to different shelves and baskets. It is also a good idea to add some manual can openers to your pantry. Also, never forget to let everyone living in your house know about the whereabouts of every, every tool and food item. Through this, everyone can easily access drinks and foods every time they are needed by any member of the family. Also, do not hesitate to get additional storage when necessary. Due to a lot of items needed for just a single person, you might need to get extra cabinets and shelving to condense the space. 
Bear in mind that when it comes to an emergency food storage, organization is actually half the battle. Spend some time to organize your survival food package, and you'll always be ready for any crisis or emergency. Knowing how to organize survival food is the key to having a sense of security and peace of mind. When disasters come along, you and your family can survive even when food shops and grocery stores are unavailable. There would be, these would be my tips on how to organize survival food supply. If you have any questions or suggestions, then please leave them in the comments section below. Your feedback helps the community pre to prepare the smart way now so that we can thrive later on. Um, so there's uh, some links here that you're going to want to, you know, maybe go uh, click on and check the, check out. And then he's got some products here from Amazon like uh, uh, stackable uh, can racks and, and other things that you might be interested in, like that uh, Aquatainer that he was talking about. Okay, I, I just go, I want to follow up with just a couple of things here. Um, first of all, um, it really, it really uh, still boggles my mind. You know, one of the, one of the things when I talk to people about preparedness, and you know, when I was on the campus as an administrator, everyone knew that you know that I that I prepped. Everyone knew about my website. Everyone knew, uh, you know, we talked about it openly. Uh, and so when you know they would ask me questions about different things and and stuff, one of the things I would do is say, you know, if you went to your pantry right now, how many days could you? Uh, how many days could, of food do you have for your family? So for for whatever reason, if there was just an emergency all of a sudden happened and you weren't able to go to the grocery store or, you know, whatever, you know, uh, what, you know, going to your pantry, how much could you, you know, how long could you feed your family? And, you know, there were some people that were very, very honest. They were like, Todd, uh, you know, maybe two days. Uh, you know, one teacher is like, oh, no, I, you know, we, we're, we're good, we're stocked. And I mean, they weren't preppers, but, you know, they just had food. And uh, you know, I, I'm pretty confident I can feed my family for a month with all the food that I have, all the canned goods and all the things that I have. You know, we can make it, we can make it last. And, uh, you know, I believed her because she, um, you know, I, I believe that she, she was that type of person. I mean, she, you know, she would have supplies, although she wasn't a prepper. But, I've known people all my life that um, they went to the grocery store, you know, that evening for the food that they were going to cook that night. And, um, you know, I understand that if you're wanting to do something special, I understand that if you're trying to get something very, very fresh, I, you know, I understand that, you know, for certain occasions. Um, but there's people that do it every single day. You know, they stop by the grocery store uh, and, and that's, you know, that's how they plan. Uh, I, I couldn't live like that. I wouldn't want to live like that. You know, when we, um, when my wife and I were younger, we ran a group home for kids in CPS custody, and we did that for about 11 and a half years. So we had seven, uh, about seven kids in the group home, um, and uh, from time to time there were there were all boys, all girls, and for a, a good time there were co it was co-ed, and we had a, a big home that was owned by the agency and. Um, you know, we were always monitoring. So, uh, you know, we, we had alarms at night, you know, that were that separated the kids and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, we learned early on that we needed to be able to have uh, a menu. So we would create a menu and uh, we would go a month out. Uh, a lot of the times when we first started, we were actually employees of the agency and we would uh, that we had a budget and so we would make our menu and then we would go to Sam's we had Sam's cards that we were able to have because of the agency we were members and we would come out with one of those big rolling things man and we you know we would we had uh, 
They made sure that every house had a, a refrigerator and a freezer. And so, uh, you know, that freezer was always stocked up. Uh, and, and so, you know, we, we learned how to plan uh, early on making menus. And I think that might be if you're coming to, to the Prepper website podcast or you're coming to preparedness and you are fairly new to preparedness, I think that might be a good place to start because you're, you're hearing a lot about food storage. You're going to see that everywhere you go. I mean, every, every preparedness website, uh, every podcast is going to talk about food storage at some point. And we talk a lot about it here um, because, you know, it's important. Um, but one of the easiest things to do is to sit down and to make a menu. What do I want to eat here? What do I want to he- eat here? And then go out and get that. And then you can reproduce that if you need it, if you needed to, right? If you wanted to, if you made a two-week menu, go ahead and you know double it up and you have a menu for, for a month, you know? And uh, start from there. But that that's really, really easy to do. But it just don't be one of those people that are going to the grocery store every single day for, you know, whatever uh, that you need. Uh, having the menu is, is the, the way to go. It allows you to have some food in your pantry. Uh, easy to start stocking up from there. And then also... Um, you know, it just it allows you to save money because you're able to to buy when you see the sales. You're just not going and at the spur of the moment. A lot of times when you go and it's that day, um, if you're hungry, you're gonna buy. You you know how it is. You're gonna buy things that you really shouldn't uh, be eating and and because you're hungry and you're snacking until you're able to get dinner. Okay, so let's move to really organizing survival food because this is the big deal. This is the big deal for me. I've got a decent sized pantry. But, you know, I want to go beyond that. You know, what what do I do? Um, there's a lot of things to consider. One of the things that I have considered, I have not done this, but uh, we have, a, you know, a nice garage, a, two, a two-car garage. Um, one of the things that you could consider, uh, because every, every closet in my house is used up, uh, every room in my house is used up, I really, you know, there's, there's, you know, cause I've got, you know, a big family, whatever, all that kind of stuff. So there's not really any spare rooms. Those of you who maybe have like a spare guest room or you have a, a craft, a craft room. I mean, I, I have some friends who are like, oh, this is just my hobby room. I'm like, oh, that's so great for you. You know, <laughs> you have that extra space. Uh, it must be nice. But I really thought about adding on, you know, a little small room to the garage with a little door, but, you know, with shelves and things that you, know, you can stack it up and tying it into the AC. Um, a lot of the times your central air and heat, uh, they're sized for your house. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not an AC guy. I don't know about that, but uh, you wouldn't want to keep it as cold as um, maybe as your house. But if you could insulate it really, really well and and run uh, a little vent over to it, you might be able to keep it cool enough to not degrade your food storage and to uh, you know uh, have have a have enough or at least have another place where you can put it. So I've thought about that. Um, another thing to consider is. Those of you who have shelves, like uh, when you open up a closet and you have shelves and you have high ceilings and inside, so you've placed things on the shelf and you have whatever, whether they're sweaters, whether they're boxes, whatever they might be, um, you could, if you have high ceilings and there's a lot of headspace still left in the closet, you can add very easily just pieces of wood, right, on two end pieces and then add a, a board on top and then you can start stacking more food up that way. So that's an easy way to do it. 
if you have something that is hollow uh you know for for whatever reason maybe you have a big table in um you know in your dining room or living room and the middle of it is hollow for some reason um or you have uh a big uh coffee table and uh it's it's hollow inside and it has space you might want to you could easily put a lot of cans in there uh we recently read an article from Lisa Bedford uh, the survival mom she said that 100 uh number 10 cans fit un, uh underneath a king size bed and so that's something to consider as well in the, in the past I know for prepper website I have seen people who have built beds on top of 55 gallon drums of water so you know about six uh six to nine drums of of uh of 55 gallon drums of water and then they you know they lay boards or whatever it is on top of that and then their their mattress on top and of course you need there's easy ways to decorate it to where you're not going to, you know, people aren't going to know that that's water. It's just going to look like a high bed. Um, but you're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to have do something, uh, to really decorate that. But I have seen pictures of that in the past. Um, uh, one of the other things that, um, that I wanted to uh, talk about is just maybe you finally just get rid of some stuff. You go through, uh, your closets you go through um, you know your kids closets and there's probably just junk like junk toys that they don't use anymore things that you just kind of stuffed in there um, closets that there's things in there but you're not going to use anymore and uh, or you know they're not that useful you might you could move them out to the garage possibly you know box them up and you can start using that space to store some food that's possible I have also considered uh, renting out uh, one of those, um, uh, you know, storage places that's climate controlled, and um, so they have rules against doing that for food. Uh, but you know, if you do it wisely, you go in there and you know your things are whatever boxed up, and they can't see it. You got 55 or not 55, but five gallon uh, food buckets. Um, you know, there's a way that you can bring it in there to where they, they don't know that that's what that is. Um, you can easily, you know, uh, use that. And then one that's climate controlled. The only problem with that is that if anything really ever happened, you know, do you have the time to go over there and get all that stuff and, and get it out? So that's the, the thing to consider. But, uh, you know, start, start thinking it through. You know, are there places in your house, in your kitchen cabinets? If you uh, have places where you don't, you know, you have pots and pans, and you know how people just start, you, know, you save this and you save that, and by the time you know it, you have a whole cabinet taken up with just junk that you never use. You know, take that stuff out and use that. Uh, that's that's definitely uh, a possibility. But if you have uh, something that you have done that's kind of special, maybe you've created like a false wall, or uh, you know, I've I've considered that considering a, a false wall or something with a curtain to kind of hide, you know, a, a wall that you've used for shelving, uh, for spe specifically for food. Uh, you know, drop that in the comment section. So I definitely want to share that out. All right. So uh, because it's Wednesday, we do have an interview in. Um, one of the uh, one of the websites that uh, I'm happy to hit on a regular basis is uh, 1776PatriotUSA.com. And John Rourke, I've known John for a while. Um, 
And so I, I do appreciate you know his preparedness. He's got a great Facebook page. I'm on that, and there's a lot of good discussion out there. Um, he is knowledge. He's one of those uh, preppers who has a website who's very knowledgeable about firearms. Um, so if you if you have questions about firearms, uh, you want to go over there and um, and check that out. I mean, recently I did a written interview for him uh, on his website, and so you know what I'm going to link to that on on uh on episode 68 and so uh you'll be able to see that one as well but i want to go ahead and read this this article and uh just let you know i mean a lot of us who are um who own websites and we're just regular people man we're just regular people who see the need regular people just like you who see the need to uh prepare and and it's it's not weird it's not it's just it's it's common sense type stuff and he alludes to that as well so let's go ahead and get started with this one john rourke of 1776 patriotusa.com tell us a little bit about yourself and your preparedness please include why you started prepping thanks todd i'm 47 married with two boys 13 and 18 i enjoy living in beautiful south carolina I was a teenager during the Cold War. I watched a TV show that discussed the possibility of nuclear war between the Soviet Union and the United States. At 14 years old, I thought to myself, isn't this something we should get ready for? I talked to my parents and they probably thought I was nuts. I would convince my mom to grab a few extra cans of soup when we would go to the grocery store and I would hide them away in my closet. I went under my house and built a small shelter in one corner of the crawl space. Yeah, I was a bit weird. Fast forward to today, I practice what I would call common sense preparedness. I try to have all the basics covered, food, water, medical, defense, power, and shelter. I feel preparedness is important. However, I will not allow it to become over-consuming. I enjoy going to the movies, mountain biking, working out, and spending time with the family. All right, so that's that's good to know, right? It's like you're not just waiting for the, you know, for the bombs to drop. You know, when he was talking about the show, I, I, I'd be curious. I mean, he might not remember what show it was. Uh, I remember a show that kind of scared the, the, the bejesus out of us uh, when I was younger. There was a show, and I believe it's called Testament. And it was about uh, a nuclear war. And so uh, it's a family in su- suburbia, uh, and uh, life is going on. And then all of a sudden, there's this big flash and the emergency of the TV was on, and so the emergency broadcast system comes on. And so uh, you have this neighborhood where uh, people are trying to survive, you know, because there was uh, nuclear bombs uh, had gone off. And so this, this woman is there with her kids, and her husband worked in the city. And so she was always wanting to know if he was going to come back or not. And at some point, uh, she... she checks the answering machine uh, she she finds some batteries or something like that she's able to answer the, the check the, the answering machine or just comes on for whatever reason and her husband leaves a message saying that uh, that he's going to work late and so you know you know that he's died uh, but man that was one because you got to see then it's probably you know easy by standards today by movies and television today uh but seeing the neighborhood how things you know were progressing and how people were starting to suffer and then people were starting to die and that kind of stuff i mean i still kind of remember that and i, I was kind of young we watched that uh that show 
And uh, I wonder, I wonder if it's if you if you watch that show, if you remember what I'm talking about, man, just hit me up. Like, yeah, Todd, I remember that show, man. Uh, because you know, I'm I'm in my mid 40s, and I was I had to be around John's age when he's talking about this. You know, about 12, 13, around there, 14. Uh, so uh, it happened about that time. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to link to it on uh, the prepperwebsitepodcast.com on episode 68. All right, continuing on. What are your main preparedness concerns? What are, your, what are you prepping for? My concerns are fairly widespread, and I really do not prepare for a specific event. It doesn't take a degree in rocket science to see the world is getting more dangerous with each passing day. Beyond personal emergencies that can happen, I would say mass civil unrest and EMP are my largest concerns. Has your preparedness changed over the years and why? I had to think about this question a bit. I would say the only thing that has changed is that I have gotten older, or as I have gotten older, I can afford more stuff and better stuff. At one point when I was younger, I dreamt of a time when I could buy an AR-15 and a good combat pistol. Now I have several each. Where, where I used to store away only wheat, rice, and common canned foods, now I have several cases of freeze-dried. Money can make a difference, but you can prepare just fine on a budget. Tell us about your website, podcast, or YouTube channel. What is your main focus? My website is 1776patriotusa.com. I started it a little over a year ago as I want to express my opinions and views and connect with like-minded folks. Although my website is certainly preparedness-based, I also do not hold back when it comes to politics. While many preparedness websites do not allow politics to be discussed, I embrace it. I believe they are intertwined in many ways. The tagline for the website's Facebook page is Freedom, Firearms, Preparedness, Patriotism. I think that sums it up. Do you have any upcoming projects that listeners might be interested in? I do. First, I am developing what I believe will be one of the largest downloadable preparedness databases on the Internet. There will be tons of free PDFs, manuals, books, guides, and articles to download. There will be a ton of videos as well. Next, my continuing series on the American Reformation will continue. For those that are unfamiliar, the American Reformation is my take on what the future holds for this country. The series provides information on different aspects of the event and how to prepare for it. I think it is a unique aspect at looking at preparedness and has been very well received. Lastly, a multitude of equipment reviews are in the process of being completed. So uh, we are linking to that American Reformation, that first article on Prepper website, but I'm also going to be linking to it from the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com if you're only coming to that website. Will you give us two or three examples of your work that you would like to share with our listeners? Sure. Since I just mentioned the American Reformation series, I would recommend checking out the first article in the series, The Coming American Reformation. Another popular article is simply called Prepare, which is a basic look at reasons to take steps to get prepared. One of my favorite articles is Five Steps to Building a Digital Preparedness Library. It has been I have, I have been asked so many times about doing this, I finally wrote something up. So again, I will link to those three articles on episode 68. What would you like to say to the Prepper Website Podcast listeners? First, you're not nuts for having the concerns and beliefs you have. Around 100 years ago, the term prepping didn't exist as everyone was a prepper. It was just looked at as common sense. I would also like to invite all listeners to come pay me a visit over at 1776patriotusa.com. 
We have a very good community over there. Where can people find you? Links, social media. The website is 1776patriotusa.com. I have a variety of social media destinations, including which can all be accessed from the website. In particular, I enjoy spending time at our Facebook group where we get some good discussion going. Here is the link. So it's facebook.com group 1776PatriotUSA. I will be linking to that from uh, episode 68. Sorry. Uh, I also put up several free Kindle ebooks daily over at freepreperebooks.com. I'm going to link to that one as well. And then he says, thanks, Todd. Well, no, thanks, John, for uh, taking the time to do the interview and letting us in on a little bit of your preparedness and how you're seeing things and the information that you're providing out there to the preparedness community. Um, like I said before, you know, a lot of us, we're just regular people, man. We're just, you know, we realize the importance of doing, uh, being prepared and getting out there. And we felt like uh, we could be a little added value to the preparedness community. So we started websites. But, uh, you know, we're just like, just like you, common, common Americans, uh, common folk who are just wanting to be prepared because we see things uh, out there that are crazy. All right. Thanks again, John. Let's go ahead and move on to our last article. Is It comes to us from PreppersWill.com. And the, the title of the article is Seven Principles of Safe Camping When Bugging Out. So this is one of those articles where um, it's very possible that you might be bugging out. And as you bug out, you'll have to camp out. Um, but this article takes it from the perspective as people are going to be after you. People are going to be looking for you. Uh, those kinds of things, and so the safety behind that. Um, one of the things to uh, to think about when you're when you're listening to this is how can you apply this not only just to camping, but maybe also to uh, your home environment. If you don't bug out, but you're staying in, you're bugging in. You know, do some of these same things uh, kind of apply? So let's go ahead and start reading this one. Seven principles of safe camping when bugging out. There are few things more frightening than camping for several days in a remote backcountry shelter only to be disturbed by unwanted guests. If your bugging out plan implies camping in the wild, you need to learn seven principles of safe camping. Once the brown stuff hits the fan, it will be every man for himself and everyone will struggle to survive. To stay ahead of the masses, you need to bug out once you spot the first signs of danger. Even more, if your bug out plan follows the path of the wilderness, you should be prepared to move undetected. Camping will not be a relaxing activity during a crisis and you should learn what safe camping requires. If you want to keep your family safe and reach your bug out location, follow these seven principles. Number one, plan ahead and prepare. First of all, you should think about where you are going and what your survival needs might be. When you start to plan your bug out route, consider what are the most important things for me to do and what resources I might need. And second, think about how you can minimize waste and what you can do to leave a small, smaller footprint during your journey. I'm not saying that there will be people tracking you, but if you leave a trail of breadcrumbs, eventually the hungry masses will be able to follow your party. Safe camping requires for you to keep your location and trail camouflaged if you don't want any followers. Everything you bring along should be used to its full potential without creating too much waste. Number two, travel and camp off the beaten path. When traveling through the backcountry, stay off the track, tracks as often as possible in order to avoid leaving traces. Moving without leaving an easily recognizable spoor requires paying attention to the environment and a little bit of exercise. 
your main concern is to avoid leaving a ground spore as the name implies the ground spore can be defined by any sign found on the ground. Footprints, burn marks, vehicle tracks, blood stains, overturned ground or rocks, all these are examples that would indicate the presence of a ground spore. Number three, dispose of waste properly. One of the safe camping principles regards waste management. Unfortunately, this is overlooked by many of those exploring the great outdoors. While the best practice would be to carry all your rubbish with you, this might not always be a good idea. Everything you leave behind will eventually tell a story about you and your group. Litter can give away their position and will make it easier for trackers to get on their, their trail. Sunlight and moisture will affect litter and can become a great clue for experienced trackers. For example, certain plastic wraps will be discolored in two or three days while metal cans will develop rust spots in less than 24 hours in certain geographic areas. To avoid carrying dangling cans or any other trash that gives away your position through smell or no noise, it's better to bury your litter. Once you bury your trash, make sure you camouflage the spot using the materials around you. Number four, diminish the effects of fire. Safe camping also requires building the right type of fire at your campsite. There are many different types of fire to choose from and it all depends on what you need the fire for. For some, warmth is the most urgent requirement. Depending on the fire type, you can also use it for cooking, drying wet clothing, signaling, or even disposing of waste. Use pieces of wood that are wrist-sized or smaller. Larger pieces will take longer to burn and you may end up leaving a partially scorched log when you move on. Keep the fire small, scatter ashes, and make absolutely sure you don't leave any evidence behind. To conceal your presence, I recommend building a snake hole fire or a Dakota hole one. Both can serve multiple needs in the wild and will make almost no light at night. Read this article to, to know more about the different types of fire you can make for safe camping. Number five is respect the wildlife. Understanding which wildlife populates the area you live in and learning about its behavior becomes valuable knowledge during a crisis. When traveling through the wilderness, most animals will flee areas where man goes. You can note their direction to discover the trail of the party you are tracking. Since most animals are nocturnal, the animal tracks superimposed on parties' footprints indicate that spoor was made during or before nightfall. Spoor over animal tracks indicates that spoor was made after sunrise. Even more, you should know how to protect your campsite and food supplies if dangerous predators are common in your area. Safe camping requires to fully remove all food from shelters and camping sites to avoid unwanted dinner guests. Number six, set a perimeter. Once you set up camp, your next move should be to set some tripwire alarms. You can improvise some by using soda cans with stones in them or personal alarm keychains. The ones that if you pull the pen out of them, they will sound off at an amazing 130 decibels. They are small and concealable and have a little chain ring on the pen. Just pull the chin, sorry, just pull the chain and the pin and all hell breaks loose. If an intruder will walk into your tripwire alarm, it will alert the entire campsite. There is no safe camping without deploying safe defense mechanisms and you should plan to avoid unwanted encounters with both animals and humans. How you protect your family is all up to you and the training you have. I will not discuss about self-defense means as it's not the point of this article. I honestly think that any trespasser de deterrent could work if you know what you are doing. Number seven, respect your timeline. 
Every bug out plan needs to have a bug out timeline. You can't bug out successfully without having a plan and a timeline. And without testing them, no matter what happens, you need to respect the timeline if you want to reach safety. When you set up camp and things go along your way, you may have the tendency to overstay in a certain spot. The smart thing would be to avoid doing so if you don't want to decrease your chance of reaching your safe location. There are many unknowns in the wild without having to take into account the after effects of the crisis that trigger your bug out plan. The weather can change suddenly and slow you down or the disaster may block your path. A wildfire can change its direction in a matter of hours and you may be cut off from your own main route. The timeline of your bug out plan may be affected by various factors such as weather, age, and number of party members, gear weight, and most of all the lack of experience. Remember that you need to set camp only to rest at night and you should move as soon as possible. A final word. If your preparedness plan includes a long distance bug out, there are certain considerations you need to pay attention to for safe camping. They are mandatory if you want to reach your safe haven. You will not be able to travel without resting stops and you don't have to push yourself over the limit. Going out unprepared is just a gamble and you're betting with your own safety. There's a couple of art, um, comments in the, in the comment section. Uh, one of the comments was talking about, uh, I guess they have a little bit of experience tracking uh, as they tracking illegals and, and gave some information about, you know, there's really no way to truly conceal, um, you know, your path if you are, um, if you are, uh, trying to do that because with an experienced tracker you can you can find that out and he talked about the 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 uh, immigrants as illegal aliens as they're coming coming through uh you know they have burlap on their shoes or, or you know carpet on their shoes and he says you can't see their tracks and sometimes it uh it hides the number uh that are in you know in the group but you still can see the path very easily the path that they are taking to track them so uh, there's some other good things in there in the comments and, uh, you know, articles that he's linking to over here at Prepper Will's, PreppersWill.com. So go check that out. Um, and like I said, like always, you want to check out all the articles. Uh, you know, really appreciative of everyone who lets me, who gives me permission to read their articles in full. I know that I could, you know, grab articles and I can kind of read. And I have thought about doing some of that on some of the uh, news articles and different things like that. I might do that. Um, just you know, just kind of dealing with it in my head and, and uh, thinking about how that would look. But uh, you know, reading portions of articles and uh, commenting on that or how it would apply to us, those of us in the preparedness uh, uh, preparedness community. So, hey, um, thanks so much for listening. If you get a chance, stop by the website and uh, you know, share us out, drop a comment, or uh, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I always love to hear from you. Um, we're looking forward to uh, the second half of the week. I hope you are. Uh, for those of us in the Houston area, that means that uh, kids are, are getting out of school. And so got a lot of kids that are excited about that. So uh, I know that a lot of you who are parents and grandparents are, you know, y'all are gearing up for that. And so summer brings a whole lot of things that you can do out there and, and ways that you can practice and get out there and, and do some things with uh, learning skills. All right. So learning skills and doing some crafts, man. I I don't know if you saw that uh, recently on the, the Facebook group, the Prepper website uh, group, and you can get to that from the, the Preparedness website podcast. 
I shared out uh, different ways of doing uh, fire starters, and uh, there's one that I definitely want to try. Uh, that I that I definitely I'm going to try, uh, and uh, can't wait to do that one. So uh, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.